This is a Watchdog Morning Show Rewind. Here's Howard Monroe. When I was, when, when, uh, when um, my grandson Teddy was first born, the kids were living, my kids, son and daughter-in-law, were living in Frederick, Maryland. They were working in the D.C. area. They lived in Frederick, Maryland. And my wife and I would frequently go over to babysit in Frederick. And it's, it was the beginning of my working away from the studio. So I bought the equipment we needed to have, and I would broadcast from my uh, son and daughter-in-law's dining room table in Frederick. And we would broadcast from, from I would do the show in the morning. We would watch little Teddy when he was just born for uh, most of the day. His parents were at work. We'd take him out to the playground. We'd go for rides, all kinds of things. And so we were, it was my first experience with working from home. Uh, of course, they eventually moved here, and so now we have Teddy in our house frequently while the kids are working, my kids are working. Um, but uh, I came became very sick, some of you remember, uh, a couple of years ago, and I started doing the show from home because I was very sick and had been in the hospital for a month. And, and then as soon as I got able to come back to the office, the pandemic hit. And and I came back home, and I've been broadcasting from home ever since, and this is the way I will finish my career, broadcasting my radio show from home. Do it all the time. My son, daughter-in-law, both uh, live here in Wheeling. They both work uh, remotely. They work for, my daughter-in-law works for an international company. Well, she works out of her home office uh, here in, in Wheeling, West Virginia. I just heard from one of our listeners earlier this morning. He is at Virginia Beach right now, working at the beach. Something I've often thought about. You know, Bob, I could pack up this equipment. I mean, I got th this would fit into a, basically into a not even a big bag. I could take it to the beach. I could do the show from the beach just as easily as my own. Why didn't you and come up? Apparently, a lot of people are doing that. Why didn't you come They're up with this idea out. last week? I know, yeah. Shane, there's plenty of room. We, we could have packed up, you and I, taken the equipment, and we could have both went to Virginia Beach. That's right. We could have done it. We could have done it on the road. But uh, this is not unusual anymore. They're called digital nomads. Uh, Rachel Wolford is a, a professor of sociology at WVU and um, has been looking into this. And I read a piece she wrote this weekend about digital nomads, and I found it really interesting. Dr. Wolford, good morning. Welcome to the show. Oh, okay. I know that because you yeah. know how I know that it's sitting right in front of me. I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, it's my whole life it's been like that, but I always just kind of figure it's awkward. It's awkward to not say anything. So I always just, I hate when people don't correct me. So, yeah. Nope. I'm, I'm happy to correct it. And again, I, it, it's nothing but a stupid mistake because I have your name sitting here right in front of me, written properly and everything else. So I'm, I loving, just... I'm loving your conversation because sometimes um, people are afraid of change and of this new style of working, but I love that you're pointing out all the ways this has freed you and that people actually have been doing versions of this. So you've, you've made great points without me. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, 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 you know, in my case... It started not, I mean, a lot of people, I think, have done this since the pandemic when, when remote work became necessary for an awful lot of people. Uh, I first did it because I needed to be with my grandson. So we figured out right. how can I do this, My how can I go be granddad and still still broadcast the radio show? Figured it out, did it right. from the uh, dining room table in Frederick, and, and it worked. And then the pandemic came along, and, I, well, first of all, then I got sick. I got very ill. Um, you know, had some heart problems and other things, and I couldn't get to the office, but I still could do the show. 
And then the pandemic came along. And then finally, finally, I said, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm not going in. <laughs> this is, right. I'm just going oh, to do it from here. But, you bring up two amazing And now points. I'm beginning to One, think, and I'm serious about this. Now I'm asking myself, why don't I, why don't I go to the beach someday? So why don't I take a week at the beach? My wife and I can go to the beach right, and I'll do the show from, you know, the hotel room or something. That's three good points. One is the inclusivity part about childcare. The second part is about inclusivity around disability and illness. That your life doesn't have to be over and your work and your career doesn't have to be over. And then the third is you don't have to be trapped at home. And we, we tend to think of remote workers anymore. And this is what I what kind of the light bulb when I read a piece that you wrote for the conversation this weekend. I read it this weekend. The light bulb went off when I thought we tend to think of remote workers as everybody sitting at their home office or their home desk. And that happens a lot. But a lot of people move around. A lot of people take their work with them to different places. You use the phrase digital nomads. There's a lot of this going on, is there not? Yeah, I mean, I think we wrote about this before the pandemic, and I think we were talking to people on the forefront of the movement, and then remote, the pandemic just accelerated all of what was already happening, and for some people, it's very jarring um, to change and to not be monitoring people at work and watching them work and holding them accountable for where they are. But I think this is a, no, a movement that's more consistent with the idea of sort of disregarding space-time culture and trusting workers to get their work done. Do you think in the last couple of years that that level of trust has been built up enough between remote workers and and uh, and the home office, so to speak? Are, have remote workers earned their right to be on their own? Well, that's an interesting question. Have they earned it? Um, you know, I guess, I guess I think that the fact is that generationally people are digital natives now. And so, and now a whole generation, you know, tons of people have lived through the pandemic and were successfully working if they were privileged enough to be able to work from home, as many people were not, such as people doing housekeeping in hospitals and nurses and, and doctors, some doctors. Um, but I'll say this, that I think increasingly you'll see this, like with job ads, if you look on LinkedIn, now they say on site. And it's sort of assumed you're at least going to be able to have a hybrid job if you're a knowledge worker. Because what is the justification for adding to your commute time? Commute, and this is a huge issue in West Virginia, because a lot of people do long commutes to work in West Virginia. Commute time is just a complete waste, and it makes people so unhappy commuting. Um, in West Virginia, and I know this from a survey done at WVU, a lot of people take care of family members all across the state. Um, so just the, just the happiness of, you know, you can wake up, have your coffee, you can have the food you want, you can be with your pet, you can take a break and go for a walk or be outside and exercise, versus do like an hour commute be in a cubicle, eating food that's not healthy and not exercising, then commuting again and squeezing all your family obligations into your so-called free time. Um, that just 
seems really antiquated now unless it's completely necessary to be on site. I mean, let's be, there are certainly a lot of jobs that require someone to physically be on site. Correct. I mean, not everybody right. can be a remote worker. So we're talking about those folks who have the ability to do that, basically those who have some kind of a technology-related job or the ability to use technology to do their job. I don't want to, you know, at this moment at least, you can't mine coal from home, okay? So I, right. I understand that not, not everybody. But, that's, but, but that's it is an interesting. Um, if you're a knowledge worker. If you're a knowledge worker, it, it, it and then is there are an other jobs movement, that have though. been converted into that, like doing customer service, um, scheduling, administrative assistant work has been converted. Lawyers who thought they had to be with their files, all of that has been facilitated during the pandemic. We were kind of behind other places technologically, and now we're catching up. It's interesting. You remember, I remember, uh, actually a couple of decades ago, probably, you see all the ads in newspapers, something, work from home, and it was a special deal, you know, and it would sometimes be people who would mail things from home. It was usually a, not quite a scam, but they weren't always particularly good jobs, but, or something, and then, then they became telemarketing could be done at home. You didn't have to go into the big telemarketing centers. You could do it, do it from home. There's been a slow evolution in some industries, but again, technology is catching up with them. I mean, yes, there are still scams. I just erased the scam that someone wrote on my on my dry erase board in my classroom that people could earn twenty dollars an hour base pay from home, and it was my students called the number and told me it was fake. You know, um, so right. I, I, that still is a you know there's still many scams around that, um, especially like for students and stuff. But just think about all the opportunities that open up if you're not attached or anchored to a certain location that may have limited job opportunities, you know? I mean, this could be something that allows people to, for instance, stay in West Virginia. If they are seeking some kind of knowledge work that can be done remotely, they could actually stay in the state versus move. Well, I use the example again of my son and daughter-in-law. They did the reverse. They were, they were working in very well-paying, high-paying jobs in Washington, D.C., but after their their son was born, my grandson, they really felt like they wanted to be closer to family. And they were each commuting two hours both ways. It was just, you know, the typical hassle there. Uh, and they both went to their uh, employers and said, look, we're going to move to Wheeling, West Virginia. And the employer said, well, that's okay. Just work from there. And so mm -hmm. they came back home to be close to family. Also, quite frankly, to cut their cost of living dramatically. And uh, mm -hmm. and work from home, and yeah. I, I, more and more people I think are doing that. Yeah, and even like I mean, you can see. Yes, I mean I think that's such a great point that you now. Was this? I just want to ask you. I don't know if it's appropriate for me to ask you. Was this before the pandemic that they did that? Yes, it was. It was, yeah. But the commute part is not a small thing. I mean, think about, like, in a state as big as West Virginia, you know, uh, in terms of, like, space, that, and not in sure. population, that a lot of people commute. And that really interferes with quality of life in so many ways. And what if it, what if it was – and that's why, you know, there, there is a program in West Virginia incentivizing people to work remotely in the state now, paying them $12,000. 
um, Ascend does that. So the, a lot of rural places are sort of catching on to what's happening internationally. And they're saying, wait a minute, we're losing population, you know, just demographic, demographic reality of aging population, opportunity structures in different locations. How can we draw talent, resources, um, younger workers, tech workers? How can we change the economy? How can we draw people into a state that's not known for this? You know, and that's where, that's another opportunity that digital nomadism presents. You talked about quality of life, though, and it's one of the things that the Ascend, I believe I have this correct, we've done a couple of shows on this. Mm-hmm. Ascend, in addition to offering a salary, uh, a stipend, if you will, for coming here, I think they mm-hmm. give, like, passes to whitewater rafting and other forms of outdoor activity. So it's right. it's encouraging people to come here where we have a better quality of life if you can take advantage of the good things that we do have. So quality of life becomes a, a huge issue. Um, and, and, of course, yeah, the cities are doing like, it. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. There's a lot no, no, please go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, you know, it's not necessarily going to be for everybody. But I, believe me, I've spent my whole career, this is my 20th year at WVU, studying why people move where they move that's my big research area and people have different preferences for where they live and some people especially after the pandemic they want space they might want to have um you know uh, a larger home versus like you know in in pittsburgh let's say which is only an hour and 20 minutes from wvu housing costs are really going up rent is going up People are, um, mm-hmm. especially African-Americans, are being pushed out of the city by gentrification and the high cost. So, you know, we think about West Virginia, you know, in, in terms of that, you know, instead of being pushed into outskirts with no opportunities into substandard housing, what if it's the opposite? You know, you're a tech worker, but you don't want to live in a cramped condo downtown necessarily that might not be the way you grew up that might not be your preference you might want to have land or be outside or you might be compressed by being outside versus going to urban cultural events you know so people have different ways they like to spend their leisure time and so this is an attraction for people that like the outdoors and are enthusiasts that way of which there are many in the tech world you know yeah, absolutely. One of the things I found interesting in your article that I read is that this concept of digital nomads, it, it is it is reaching a point in some areas, though, where it's becoming a bit of a problem. Some folks are beginning to get a little irritated with all these newcomers coming in. Is that right? Yeah, because, and so this is a really important point to make because I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, a booster for, you know, um, uncontrolled, uh, migration into locations that aren't prepared for that. So, yeah, so places have experienced kind of a form of gentrification when wealthy outsiders come in and then the cost of living increases or the infrastructure is taxed, like, um, you know, like if there's a lot of traffic, um, you know, pollution, things like that. Um, that's especially true in places that don't have like potable water, you know, like in other countries, that's a lot of plastic bottles and things like that, that are probably not going to get recycled or thrown out properly and, and things like that. That's going to have a huge impact. And then if places don't have housing construction, this is, this is a big part. Are they going to build, 
also people that rent. Are there going to be rent controls in place? Or are rents going to increase by, you know, 50%, like in, you know, Pacific Northwest and in Austin, Texas, and in these other kinds of places, you know? So what are we going to do to prepare? You know, we want to attract people, but how will we prepare for that? And I kind of, I wrote about this with a colleague of mine once. He didn't, obviously, it wasn't about digital nomads, but it's about any group that comes into a location. We wrote an article about what happens, it's called studentification, when students invade Morgantown, and not just Morgantown, any college mm -hmm. town. There are downsides to that, you know, in terms of housing, how they take care of their property, taking out the trash, partying, noise, you know, all of that. So we have to prepare for that and not just sort of, if you build it, they will come, and then we don't, we don't have plans for the consequences, you know? That's that's an extremely good point. You mentioned, for example, in your piece, you talked about New Orleans, where uh, in one particular uh, district, a black neighborhood in, in New Orleans, a lot of uh, rentals are being converted to short-term rentals and sending some of their longer-term residents out. Right. Yeah, and there's a lot of controversy around, like, Airbnbs. And, you know, um, perhaps, like, young people could rent an Airbnb and party there, or they could have, like, a digital nomad house with a whole bunch of people living there and co-working there together. But was that originally a house that would have been a rental for a family? You know, is that a subtraction from the rental market for people who live there? Right? So we have to think about affordable housing. Affordable housing doesn't just happen. There have to be plans, regulations, and construction for affordable housing. Doctor, are we moving into another phase now of remote working and whatever phrase we want to use? In other words, we first of all began working from home, then maybe working from a home location in a, in a uh, like moving to West Virginia because it's, it's, you know, like the outdoors and so on. Are we now seeing mm -hmm. people who begin to begin to move almost like a vacation move? You know, I think I'll go to I'll go to the beach for six months, or I'll go to Florida for six months, or whatever. Are we is is that the beginning of a movement we're seeing here? I think that that was already happening with certain classes of workers who had tech okay. jobs, but now I think you're seeing it spilling over since the pandemic, and people are eager to leave their houses. And now their work is being accommodating to their preferences. Um, I think you are seeing that. And you're seeing changes in policies. You know, different countries have different kinds of remote worker visas now. And people are asking themselves. I think before there was this idea, it's, it's somewhat antiquated. Um, my parents did not attend college when I was young. And they worked. And then they came home and they didn't work. Right. And like if you, my mom worked in a clothing store. My stepfather worked in a meat um, distributor at night. So there was no work to be done at home. They, they stopped working and that was the end of it. But if you have a job today, we all know yesterday was Labor Day. I worked almost all day <laughs> yesterday. Right. Um, so because the emails didn't stop coming, I had a report due the day after Labor Day. I had my teaching prep. I had things I needed to get accomplished. And, and so it makes me feel better to be on top of things rather than wait for everything to explode on Tuesday, right? I answered your email yesterday, and we set this up. Yep. So in reality, many people are, are working from home anyway. So what if, what if you could do this? What if you could, instead of just being 
in your house all the time and feeling claustrophobic or compelled to clean, or maybe you don't love your house, or it just feels mundane and you want to socialize or have um, inspiration from a new environment. What if you did do that? And people do that. They have, you can trade, you can swap homes. There are sites for that on Facebook. Or you could say, you know, I'm in West Virginia. I'm leaving. I'd like to leave for a month. I want to swap homes. And you could swap with someone who's maybe in New York City. And you could be in New York or something like that for a month, you know? Um, so that's definitely happening. And I think the big challenge is going to be the backlash against remote work among people who want everything to stay the way it was. Um, that's where we're seeing tension now, where people kind of have their hands over their ears and are in denial about the changes that have occurred since the pandemic. I find all this stuff really interesting. I, and it's not just working from home, like working from your computer at home. Um, I, I, people look at me strange. I might be on vacation uh, at the beach. And I'll mm-hmm. get a call from the office and says, our tra- the transmitter is down. And I mm-hmm. pick up my phone and I can dial into our transmitter from Ocean City and fix it on the road. I mean, we can, we can do those kinds of things now. I can basically run the whole radio station from my phone if I need to. So it's, it's, a, it's an amazing I... new world that we're in. It's, just a, I, it's a fascinating world. I'm excited to be in it. It gives me a lot more flexibility. To be honest, at this stage of my life, almost 70 years old, I would probably be retired and just sitting out and swinging on the swing or something. But I can spend my three I hours agree. a morning in here. You know, I can spend my three hours a morning here at home, do the show, have a great time, still do my stuff electronically, and and life is good, and I'm, I'm having a good time with it. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great point that there's this, in the beginning when we were doing our research, and I would tell people about digital nomads back in like 2016 when I started the research, my husband and I, my husband, uh, I should say my co-author at Washington and Jefferson, Rob Litchfield, he's a business professor. When we first started talking about this, there were a lot of people that felt very defensive about it. They would say things like, um, you know, I think there was a, a sort of a pushback against the millennials. And it's like, oh, you know, the millennials, they just they just want to work from home and they don't want to put the time in and they just want rewards. And <laughs> and um, and and they were, you know, I would say things like, well, what they're telling me is they might be done their work at two and they're sitting around at their desk, not being productive for no reason. And they and they don't want to do that. And they say, yeah, that's how work is. <laughs> like suck it up you know work is like that and I was like yeah but but what if younger people and now also older people I'm 49 our work identified and we really care about our work we just want it to make sense given yeah. the changes in technology you know and we will enjoy our work more if we're not driving three hours a day right yeah. it's, it's that drive I mean you have a lot of dread and resentment about driving this is well documented like commutes yep. are a, a huge source of, of um, perceived low quality of life, you know. Um, so, so why just have a commute for no reason? That's the thing. I, I think now, exactly especially right. now with risk and health and disease, you're going to have to justify. Why do I need, but explain to me, why do I need to come into the office? And, and I think right. employers are going to be forced to justify that, not just the younger workers who are digital natives, but the older workers who have risks. 
Dr. Waldoff, my uh, my producer, Bob Slider, who does work in the office, has a very large baseball bat he's showing me on Zoom. And what he's telling me is, you are way behind time, guy. Get your commercials in. So I need to say goodbye to you. This has been great conversation. No uh, I would love to do this again sometime on this or other issues because you've been a great guest. And I, I really find this stuff extremely fascinating. I do have to move on, uh, which I didn't. But I thank you for your time today, for your quick response yesterday. And uh, we'll do it again. Can I tell you Sure. Oh, yes, please. Absolutely. You have a new book out. Yeah. Yes. Digital Nomad, um, and it's about the values of freedom, community, and remote work. And it's available on Amazon and also on Oxford University Press's website. I'll mention that again. I, I forgot to mention and that, and I do apologize. And we're happy to talk to anyone, uh, any groups or companies about our findings. Excellent. I do have to run. Thank you very much. Have a great day, and we'll talk again. All right, Bob, put the baseball bat down. Let's go to the news. Listen to more interviews and rants from the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe on Apple Podcasts.